All right, hello, welcome back to Unqualified Analysis, uh, the show that is on the home stretch of football season right now, folks. I mean, we are just limping to the finish as we speak. It, you know, football at this point is just having a an adverse effect on your boy's sleeping schedule. But you know what? It's just, it's so fantastic, so wonderful. I have to stay up until 1, 2 in the morning uh, watching it from time to time. And then, you know, wake up for work the next day. Thankfully, today, I didn't have work. I, I woke up at a leisurely time about 10, 10, 15. Uh, went downstairs, had the, the breakfast of champions of... Uh, Three hot dogs and uh, a, a small, you know, uh, well, I would say small, a rather sizable chunk of, of Asiago cheese. Uh, and you know what? We're, we're here now, baby. We're here now. I've only procrastinated two hours to uh, to get this thing out because, frankly, one, kind of just didn't feel like recording today. I didn't know at all what I was going to say, which is not totally dissimilar to most times I record. But uh, this time, it's not right after work. I don't have that... Uh, that, that whole day to think on things, so, you know, it is what it is, uh, but also, I was kind of hoping that uh, more news would break in the NFL world um, as far as coaches and whatnot, I was hoping maybe, uh, uh, maybe, maybe there was a meeting in New England and maybe there was a, a resolution as to what the future looks like there, but uh, that's not what we're getting, so, in all likelihood, in Thursday's episode, I believe that's when I'm gonna put it out. We'll find out. Uh, we'll we'll have a little bit more clarity on that. But as for right now, we've uh, you know we're we're in a holding pattern. Got a little bit of news here and there as far as injuries in the playoff front. Um, who's starting? Mostly all coming out of Pittsburgh. We'll get to that. Uh, but yeah, today. We're going to start off by recapping the national championship game and go through some headlines. And then we'll just, you know, do a little quick rundown of what the uh, final week of the regular season in uh, almost in college football, NFL, uh, was like, uh, you know, how it went down, how it shook out. Like, who were the winners? Who were the losers? Uh, and who just absolutely right in the bed? Uh, you know what? I got my dog down here. Who knows how long it's going to be before she decides she doesn't want to be in this closet. I know damn well uh, she smelled that that sweet, sweet, stinky odor of the Asiago cheese I just cut up. And uh, she was coming in here hoping to get some of that. And, you know, the, the you know at some point she's going to realize she's not going to get any cheese and she's going to have to listen to me talk nonstop. So at some point I would imagine I'm going to have to let my dog out because she's so damn annoyed with my boys. But... Until then, she's laying right down there, being a good dog, the, the way she knows how to be. Uh, without further ado, though, let's uh, let's talk about the national championship game, shall we? Oh, there she goes. There she goes. You can't see her. Probably probably hear her clomping around. She she does have a sweet face, a, a good good soft head, good good soft fur. But uh, yeah, it's, it's time for her to go. So here we go. You gonna go? You you, you done out here or? You gonna you gonna stay or are you gonna go? Huh? I don't know. I don't know. It's it's up to you. You don't seem ultra eager to leave, but maybe maybe if I open it up a little bit farther. Hmm? Yeah? Yes, no, maybe so. Hard to say. Hard to say. How you doing, dog? How you doing? You good dog? Just just feel like sniffing around? Okay. Alright. There you go. And there's where she's going to be for the next, I don't know, hour or so. 
or if she get, continues to be annoyed by my voice, uh, that's where she'll stay. There you go. Quick cameo from the old uh, dog, Riley. Uh, with that, though, let us talk about the national championship game. Ooh, excuse me, last night. And uh, you know what? That was a game that was played on the field. And, uh, you know, full disclosure, your boy saw the line moving in Michigan's direction, was like, huh, let me just take this opportunity to take the plus five and a half on Washington. And, you know, let's let's hope for a nice close game. And uh, that's not what happened, folks. That's, uh, that's not what happened. It kind of stayed close for the first uh, 30 minutes of game time. Um... I think everyone with a pair of eyes could see it was 17 to 10 at halftime. Could have very easily been 17-17. Also, conversely, could have very easily been like 24 to nothing. It, it was um, Michigan was dominating early and often on both sides of the ball. Uh, for whatever reason, they just decided they were going to pass a little bit more in the first half. They had some success, but. By God, they were they were averaging double digits per carry on the ground in the first half, and they just got away from it for whatever reason. But hey, that's, you know, Michael Penix missed one down the field as well. Roma Dunze was, I mean, buck-ass naked, wide open uh, down the uh, down the sideline, down the right sideline, which would have been a, a walk-in touchdown. Absolutely walk-in touchdown if Penix just hits the throw. Uh, Penix misses. Maybe it was a bit of a miscommunication. Penix was expecting him to go towards the sideline. Adunze cut back towards the middle of the field on his route. Uh, either way, just a terrible, terrible miss. And I believe that was on fourth down as well. So you turn it over on downs, no points there. Like I said, could have very easily been 17-17 uh, at halftime. That was not the case. Um, go into the second half and, man, all Michigan the entire time. And, I mean, there were, there were points where... Yes, Washington kind of kept it close. I mean, the third quarter it was still a seven-point game going into the fourth quarter. They, they even evened it up 3-3 in that third quarter. Fourth quarter comes around, that Michigan defense. I mean, Jesse Minter, uh, who is it, Sainer still? I, I forget his his last. Mike Sainer still? Sainer still. I, I got I to gotta get that name down. He had one hell of a game. Led Michigan in tackles. Uh, damn near took a pick all the way to the house. Didn't quite matter because really all, all it did was, well, it didn't quite matter that he didn't take it to the house because all it did was allow Michigan to run a few more seconds off the clock and still score a touchdown. That stuck a fork in him. Even before that, though, I mean, Michigan's defensive front, they only got one sack, but I, I love to see the QB pressure numbers because it felt like they were on Michael Penix's ass the entire night. And the only reason they didn't get more sacks is because, well, one, they were scheming a lot of short routes to try and, you know, mitigate that pass rush. Uh, you know, solid, I mean, back and forth, kind of up and down. Uh, all Overall, as far as trying to protect the quarterback uh, sack-wise, solid job play calling from Ryan Grubb and the Washington coaching staff. A little bit too much of leaning into the run uh, when essentially Dylan Johnson is out there on crutches. I mean, he... He had all these injuries to the right side of his lower body. Then, like, the very first play of the game, he gets a left ankle injury or foot injury, wherever it was. The dude is hobbling. The dude the dude can't make cuts on the field, pretty much. He's just straight downhill. And I love the kid. I, You know, former Mississippi State Bulldog, I have... Oh, boy, that's... um. We're going to talk about that in just a second. You probably already know what I'm reacting to. That's uh, big-time coaching news just happened in the NFL might also lead to uh, a change in uh, in New England as well. That's, wow, 
Wow, we're going to talk about that one in just a second. I got I got to talk about this national championship though. Oh boy, oh boy, how do I refocus from from what I just saw there? Uh, we're going to hit that like right off the top of the uh, of the NFL stuff whenever we get there. My goodness, that is that is huge news. Um, either way though, Michigan they they just absolutely dominated this game. I mean, it's again credit to the Washington coaching staff on offense for kind of you know protecting Michael Penix. Michael Penix has has some great pocket uh, awareness as well that kept him from being sacked a whole lot. Ultimately though, he was seeing ghosts all night. Jesse Minter, uh, that entire Michigan defense man, they got they got NFL players up and down the field, especially in the secondary. I mean, Will Johnson and Mike Sainer still had themselves some nights, man. I mean, they were they were all over the place. Um, and that's not even to, to say anything about the, the defensive front that played out of their mind, uh, the, the front seven. I, quite frankly, I couldn't name you one guy on that front seven, but as a unit, they played their absolute asses off, man. It was a, a full team win. J.J. Um, McCarthy, I don't even think you need to mention J.J. McCarthy, uh, which, by the way, him and Mike, him and, I almost said Mike, <laughs> him and Aaron Rodgers might have a few things to talk about, I'd say. They, they seem like a very similar uh, type of personality, and I'll allow you to read between the lines on what that means. Hey, just get the noise out of the building, right? Get, get all the noise that doesn't have anything to do uh, with winning. Another thing we're going to hit whenever we get into the, uh, the NFL games. But uh, yeah, real quickly, because I am going to spend a lot of time uh, on the news that just... Uh, that, that just came across my phone. Holy shit, man. It is wild, wild decision. So, you know what? I'll just, you know, tease, the, tease it by saying some franchises are uh, consistently not very good for a reason. And we'll we'll leave it there. Um, but yeah, kind of wrapping it up. Uh, Washington, this is probably the best team they're going to have in quite some time. I, I don't want to besmirch the kid's name because he did a lot of good things for me at Mississippi State. Um, I will say though, it is going to be a uh, a shock to the senses uh, going from maybe the most live arm in college football, Michael Penix, uh, to Will Rogers, who has never been quite described as having a uh, a, a laser rocket for an arm. Um, good luck with that. Good luck in the Big Ten, especially if you go into a windy environment. That should be good fun. Um, so yeah, I mean, congrats to Washington for getting to this point. Um, I don't know if they're going to have any of those receivers back. I think they're all eligible for the NFL draft, and they all should go. I'm talking McMillan, Polk, and, of course, Adunze. Adunze could be a top-10 pick. Uh, probably the second wide receiver off the board after Marvin Harrison Jr., quite frankly. He is spectacular, and he was spectacular in this game. Penix just wasn't getting him the ball, and it's it's less of a knock to Penix, uh, more of a credit to Jesse Minter and that Michigan defense. Whole team win. No, no two ways about it. And you can't even say they cheated their way to get here because, I mean, they, they were pretty heavily scrutinized after the cheating scandal came out, and uh, there's not a chance that they were still doing that unless they are just abject buffoons. Uh, and I would say, I guess abject buffoons is not the correct, correct way to describe it because, I mean, if they did, they didn't get caught throughout the course of it, not, not publicly anyways. Uh, so, I don't know. Congrats to Michigan. Jim Harbaugh probably on the way out the door. I think it's it's pretty safe to say. Obviously, J.J. McCarthy's on the way out the door. His, his stock is probably never going to be higher uh, after this game. Some poor fool of a team is going to draft him in the first or second round, and boy, are they going to be disappointed with what they get. I'm not a, I'm not a giant believer of J.J. McCarthy's NFL potential. Um, that being, that's, that, that is all to say, if the Vikings draft J.J. McCarthy and Penix and or Jaden Daniels are there, 
unlikely that that situation will be in, in place. But if that does happen, put your boy on suicide watch, man, because uh, we, we, we fucked up. We fucked up. That's all I really have to say about that in particular. Um, but yeah, congrats to Michigan. Jim Harbaugh, he hired Don Yee for a reason. Um, that reason still is not totally certain. I would say it's about 80% trying to get an NFL job, but also there is that 20% that he's trying to leverage NFL offers uh, to get even more oodles of cash uh, from Michigan going forward. We won't know until he signs a contract either with Michigan or with a new suitor. It does feel like, though, this was his final game at Michigan, and it feels like a good place to end off if you are uh, Jim Harbaugh. You, you, you accomplished all the things you wanted to accomplish officially. You won a national championship. You brought Michigan back to prominence. Um, former Michigan alum came back, got the job done. You have nothing else to prove. Uh, might as well see if someone in the NFL uh, will give you a boatload of cash, which there are a couple franchises that would, I would almost guarantee are going to give them just that. So, yeah, enjoy this. Enjoy this right now, Michigan, because I don't know, I don't know what the future holds for you. But uh, for right now, you are on top of the sporting world. Um, I do have to say, Michigan did win this 34 to 13. They won by three touchdowns. It was very comfortable at the end. Uh, Michigan ended up dominating. I will say, Sharon Moore, for a guy that in the second half of, of the Penn State game didn't throw a pass, probably could have done it with a little bit more of that in this game. I think if they just, if they went with that formula, if they ran like 33 straight run plays in the second half, I mean, they might have won 45 to 13, quite frankly. Or that math doesn't really add up, but you get it. They, they might have won like 40, 50 or something to 13 uh, because Washington could not stop them on the ground. I mean, 300 uh, total yards on the ground. Eight yards per carry, four touchdowns. Donovan Edwards broke off a pair of really long ones in the first half. He had six carries for 104 yards. I mean, that's that's receiver receiving numbers right there. It's absolutely insane. It's very indicative of uh, of how much Michigan dominated on the ground. That's a guy, by the way, you should watch next year. Donovan Edwards. I think he's going to be an absolute menace in the Big Ten. He's got breakaway speed that I don't think Corum even has. It it, it showed, especially in the first half on both of those touchdown runs. I mean, Donovan Edwards, of course, the, the hole was about as wide open as you can get, but especially on that first one, Donovan Edwards, I mean, runs, loses his mind, runs into the back of his, his offensive line, then stops, looks to his left, and like, oh, there's a giant hole that I can run through? Let me just sprint as fast as I possibly can, and then he just, I mean, smoked that entire Washington defense. He's got breakaway speed that Blake Corum simply does not have. I'm looking forward to seeing what he does in that Michigan offense next year. Um, also looking forward to seeing what the Michigan program looks like next year. Hey, congrats to the national champs. You did it. Officially, college football season is over. Um, yep, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to hear these annoying Michigan fans for at least a week before they start focusing on something else. Uh, hopefully, they start paying attention to their basketball team. That stinks. That's that's uh, you know the only thing I can hope for at this point. But we have gone. Uh, what is it? Roughly 15 minutes in. And um, I've just uh, I've just got to get into it right now, man. I've I've got to get into it. I need to make sure nothing else has um, has popped up. Uh, nothing yet. Nothing yet as far as other news. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. We should be good. We should we should be good to just get on into uh, the NFL. So, week 18, got to bring up the scoreboard here real quick, and I am going to specifically scroll down uh, 
to one game. And I'll tell you why this, this I'm getting ahead of myself. Either way, Jaguars go to the, the, the Titans. All they have to do is win, and they win the division. They're in the playoffs. Uh, you know, book it. it it's done. Um, that is not exactly what ended up uh, transpiring. At least I think that's what it was. I, I could be wrong. Fairly certain. I don't know. Either way, uh, Jacksonville, all they have to do is they, they win and they're in the postseason at the very least, right? We, we can all agree on that. Uh, they finished 9-8. and eight. Uh, Could have been 10-7 and seven if they won, but they didn't. They go into Tennessee. Derrick Henry in what's likely his last game as a Tennessee Titan goes for a buck 53, one touchdown. The Titans get the win 28-20. to 20. A good final win of the season for Mike Vrabel and the boys. A good building into next season. The Jaguars fire basically everyone on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, seems like uh, maybe a, a teensy beansy win went with a bit teensy weensy bit of favoritism on that offensive side of the ball because it seems like basically all of the offensive assistants minus minus Press Taylor, the one guy who was calling the plays, uh, got fired for the Jaguars over there. Don't know anything about that or what that's about. Uh, you. If you've been listening long enough, you know my uh, you know my opinions on the situation. I think a lot of the uh, the Jaguars' offensive struggles fall squarely on Press Taylor's shoulders, but neither here nor there. The Jaguars uh, just not a very good team, and they absolutely collapsed uh, down the stretch. Man, th- this is just it- it's embarrassing to say the least. We don't have to dwell on that though, because the Titans uh, they just I mean minutes ago as I'm recording this. They just uh, took the world by storm, took the sporting world by storm. There were rumors that this might happen. There were rumblings that I didn't quite take seriously that maybe, just maybe, after a rough season, Mike Vrabel might be on the hot seat. I thought the Titans would be absolutely stupid to do that. I thought uh, it would be a, a total loser move. It's ju- It would just be an excuse for Rand Carthon to bring in uh, his own guy that he handpicked. Uh, it would have nothing to do with Mike Vrabel's coaching acumen if they uh, if they, they, they kicked him out of town uh, after this season. Sure, he went 6-11, but you gave him a god-awful roster to do it, y'all. Clearly, we're not even trying to win, especially with the offensive roster you put in put together uh, throughout the course of this year. If you fired him this year, you were just going into the year wanting to fire him. And then what do they do? They win in their final game of the season. Uh, they keep a division rival out of the playoffs. And uh, Amy Adams struck Ram Carthon uh, decided to fire Mike Vrabel anyway. Absolutely, it's it's a wild decision, man. Absolutely wild decision. Um, I, the only way I understand it is purely like in, in the building, uh, political sort of motivations that again, this had nothing, I mean, nothing to do with Mike Vrabel's coaching acumen. And I'm sure that they can justify it by saying, oh, the offense was, was always too conservative. Uh, Mike Vrabel had his hands in it too much. Yada, 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 all that bullshit. No, they they fired Mike Vrabel because they wanted to bring in their own guy. That's the only thing they were they were ready to come in there and bring in their handpicked head coach because ego, 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 all that stuff. And I don't know what the internal dynamics were. Maybe Rand Carthon and Mike Vrabel were butting heads throughout the course of the season. That's entirely possible. Even then, 
it just speaks more to what I'm saying. Uh, Rand Carthon wanted to bring in his own guy. He didn't want to keep Mike Vrabel there anymore because he didn't hire Mike Vrabel. Uh, you see this over and over again with new GMs that come in. They want to bring in all of their own people, even if it means getting rid of a guy that is a objectively really good coach. I would say a top five coach in the entire league just based on uh, in-game decisions, game planning, all that stuff. Um, this is a bullshit move. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It is a bullshit move by the Tennessee Titans. That being said, now that Mike Vrabel is on the market, I think there is, I think, I'll put it to you this way. I think with Mike Vrabel on the market, it is a much greater chance that New England decides to move on from Bill Belichick, that they decide a mutual parting of ways is the way to go because I think with Mike Vrabel on the market, he's going to get hired. But let me just put it this way. Someone is going to hire Mike Vrabel immediately, and there were already rumblings that if the Titans moved on uh, from Mike Vrabel, Mike Vrabel would be the one to take over for Bill Belichick, and I think Robert Kraft would want nothing less than to have just that. Uh, make no mistake about it, Mike Vrabel will not, he will not be a defensive coordinator next year. Uh, he's not going to go somewhere and just, you know, you know, languish for a year. He's not going to take a year off. This is one of those things like Andy Reid, whenever he got fired from the Eagles, uh, where, or maybe they parting a ways either way, whenever he left the Eagles, he was on his ass for about five minutes before the Kansas City Chiefs hired him. Someone is going to do the exact same thing with Mike Vrabel because again, Mike Vrabel's coaching acumen is not why he lost this job. It is a purely internal political thing. And again, like I said earlier, there's a reason why some franchises stink year after year after year, and you're seeing it here with the Tennessee Titans. So congratulations. You're going to get your own your own people in the building, your own head coach, and you know what? You could hire a good head coach, and there's a, a really good chance they're not going to be nearly as good as what you're, you're booting out the door in Mike Vrabel. So good luck to the Tennessee Titans. Um, yeah, this was a this is a bullshit move. Uh, New England fans are absolutely hyped about this. I will I will tell you that uh, right this second. But crazy, crazy, crazy times here. Uh, we're living in the NFL. Um, hopefully we get um, hopefully we get a little bit more news as I'm recording this. But uh, we got to keep it moving, otherwise this is going to be like an hour forty five two hour show. Uh, let's just go down the list here. Obviously a a game with no playoff implications for the Ravens, but all the playoff implications for the Steelers. Steelers go into Baltimore. They beat the Ravens 17-10. to Nobody is starting for the Ravens. It's it's Tyler Huntley. Um, it's, you know, a couple receivers. Basically, everyone on the defense, like Roquan Smith, uh, Patrick Queen. I mean, you go down the list, you name it. Everyone except for the guys that needed to hit incentives uh, were not on the field. This, this damn nose piece. Just coming out of my uh, coming out of my glasses right now, um, yeah. I mean, basically, this was set up on a platter for the Steelers to win. Also, not only all the starters are out, there is a driving rain in like 30, 40 degree weather. It is nasty, just disgusting, cold. I mean, just the worst, the the worst that the Northeast has to offer as far as weather. I will, and I'll I'll die on this hill. There is no worse weather in this country. Then a 35-degree day with driving rain. It is miserable. It is disgusting. And uh, if you are a lineman in that, you can't feel your hands. 
basically everyone can't feel their feet at that point. Uh, it got sloppy as hell in this game uh, after a certain point. And the Steelers thrive in that. They've thrived in that really throughout the entire Mike Tomlin era. And this is, for all the shit that we give Najee Harris, this is the type of game why you have Najee Harris on the roster and why you don't uh, start Jalen Warren over Najee, Najee Harris in this situation. Uh, Najee went for 26 carries, 112 yards, a touchdown. That's the type of dude. I mean, like 6'2", uh, a little short of, of 235, a guy that just runs his face into you over and over again. Those hits hurt worse in this type of weather uh, and he just kept banging them over and over and over again pause uh but um man what a win for the Steelers they get this one uh it was served up to him on a silver platter by the Ravens not playing anyone uh but still a big time win Steelers get the 10 and 7 which means uh that they just needed a little bit of help and they would be in the uh in the in the dance here uh, when it's all said and done I forget who all needed to lose. I gotta, I gotta scroll through here. I think it was the Jaguars. The Jaguars needed to lose uh, for the Steelers to get in. Uh, the Jaguars would have been a a wild card uh, if they had won that game versus the Titans. Steelers get the win, and now they are in the playoffs. They are the seven seed. They will be traveling to Buffalo this next week. We'll get to that one here uh, in just a minute. Let me just, uh, let me just, just drink some caffeine here real quick. Neither of those coaches were fired, by the way, not Steelers or Ravens. And uh, you know what? Even though the, even though Steelers fans were talking about Mike Tomlin all year, all he did was just get his 18th straight uh, winning season, pulled a pulled a rabbit straight out of his ass. Not even a hat. He just pulled it right out of his keister. That poor rabbit just sitting there for so long. But I digress. He's in the he's in the playoffs once again, and uh, lo and behold. A good organization didn't fire their head coach here. How about that? It's crazy how that works, but uh, we'll keep it moving. Again, nothing on the line for the Ravens in this one. They just, they just came out, um, you know, trying to keep everyone healthy. Now they, they accomplished that. Uh, a true win and get in scenario, though, the Texans versus Colts on Saturday night. This was a win or go home situation. Literally, whoever lost this game was going to be on their couch for the playoffs. Whoever won it won the AFC South and will be hosting a playoff game. The highest of high stakes, uh, and you love to see it. Especially in, in Week 18, these are the games that you live for, and the stars showed out. No, no two ways about it. Nico Collins had just short of 200 yards. He had 195 yards and a touchdown, and that was most of C.J. Stroud's pass production. And it's like... Not to not to throw shade on C.J. Stroud here. I think C.J. Stroud still had a really solid game. Uh, just Nico Collins played out of his mind in this game. C.J. Stroud had 264 uh, total passing yards in this game. Two TDs, uh, no interceptions, over 10 yards per attempt. He was he was lights out. 20 of 26 as well. Probably could have and should have mixed in a few more passes in there, given that they were um, a a, uh, a robust uh, 2.1 yards per carry. Now, you do have to factor in uh, Cameron Johnston had, I mean, not a fake punt. He just, I, I, either the snap was bad or he dropped the snap. I can't remember exactly what happened, but uh, ended up losing 23 yards on a punt. Then, you know, that obviously counts in the rushing statistics. So you take that out, and it was uh, 27 carries, um, 83 yards. I 
still below four yards per carry, so you probably want to mix in a few more passes there. Uh, but still, it ended up working out for the Texans. They get the win, twenty-three to nineteen. Uh, they owe a lot of uh, they owe a lot of thanks to Tyler Goodson's hands, though. Uh, backup running back for Indianapolis did not get a carry the entire game because oh, by the way, Jonathan Taylor, like he seems to always do against the Houston Texans, went out of his mind. 188 yards on the ground, 6.3 yards per carry, a touchdown, uh, broke one off for 49 in this game. He was the bell cow that you were expecting when he came into the season for the Indianapolis Colts. But in the most pivotal moment of the game, deep inside uh, Houston's territory, uh, fourth and two, you got to have it. Uh, and I understand the thought process. You bring in Jonathan Taylor, all eyes are going to be on him, especially in a short yardage situation. He wouldn't have gotten as wide open as Tyler Goodson. Uh, but put an undrafted rookie free agent in that position where, yes, he was wide open. Yes, he needs to make that catch. Uh, but... Just a, a throw that was slightly off by Gardner Minshew, and he drops the ball, and game over pretty much. Houston Texans get the win after that point. Uh, I, you know, I question that. I, I question that decision to say the least. I don't know where Zach Moss was. I don't know if he got injured or or what happened there. But uh, that might be a, a better spot for him in that situation. I don't know. That's a, that's a big spot for a, a rookie that had never been in that sort of position before. So. I don't know. I don't know about all that. It's really one of the only bad things that uh, that that Shane Steichen did all year. Other than that, it was a fantastic coaching job. This team had no business getting nine wins. That that's that was clear to see. They were they were playing so much better than the personnel they had on the field. I mean, my God, they started Gardner Minshew for a whole year, which. No disrespect to Gardner Minshew. I think he's one of the better backup quarterbacks in the entire league. He's a pinch hitter. He's not a full-time starter. He's a pinch hitter. He's, okay, your quarterback goes out. You need him for a half. You need him for a game. You need him for two games. He will give you everything you need in that time frame. You let him play for a whole season. Not quite the most ideal situation, excuse me, for you to step into and, uh, and win games. And the defense wasn't exactly playing great all year, too. They had some serious personnel problems uh, on the back end. Solid front seven, just not very good on, on the back end. Uh, they were average at best this year, below average at times uh, in other facets of the game. And in the face of all that, Shane Steichen was still able to put up points on offense and able to make just good coaching decisions that get them wins. I mean, they beat the Ravens at one point this year. So, I mean, hey, all the credits in the world to Shane Steichen for the job he did this year. Houston Texans just had, I mean, the next one up. C.J. Stroud, already a top 10 quarterback in this league right now, I would say. I don't know who he's got to bump out, but, I mean, you go 20 of 26, 264, 10.2 yards per attempt, two touchdowns, no interceptions in the biggest moment of the season. Also break off a couple runs for uh, 20 yards, 6.7 yards per carry. Um Vastly superior to the the running back and all the designs designed runs uh, for Devin Singletary uh, throughout this one. I mean, you deserve all the credit in the world. This was a legitimate playoff atmosphere, a playoff environment. It got loud, it got rowdy in Indianapolis, and C.J. Stroud never once looked faced. Didn't didn't turn the ball over uh, the entire game. So I love this kid, and he's going to be at home uh, against a team that is with a backup quarterback in the Cleveland Browns. 
Now, that Cleveland defense is no joke. They've not been very good on the road, though. And I'll tell you right now, I don't know what the line is at this particular moment. I locked in the over on that game uh, with the Houston Texans and and, um, and Cleveland Browns at 43.5. I think it's already up to 44.5 in a lot of places, but that's that's one one pick I'm giving away at this very moment. By the way, really solid board this week. I, I really like a lot of picks on the board, but uh, I digress on that front. Um, yeah, this is um, this is a really good spot for C.J. Stroud to. I mean, he's already really had his coming out party. He ran away with the offensive rookie of the year. Um, no two ways about that. But man, what a stage for him to go into on the playoffs and really announce himself as like a top ten quarterback. Um, he's going to have every opportunity to do that against that uh, that vaunted Cleveland defense, and I am very much looking forward to it. That is going to be a dandy of a matchup. We got some real good matchups here in the first round. Really outside of that uh, outside of that 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 Bills Steelers matchup, not really going to be a whole lot of uh, not really going to be a whole lot of um, bad matchups as far as spreads are concerned. Oh, by the way, I forgot to mention. Moving back to that Steelers game, T.J. Watt did get hurt. He suffered a knee injury. Looked a lot worse than it actually was. It was an MCL sprain, so no major structural damage like an ACL or anything like that. We're good, good on that front. Won't be playing this week though. That's uh, that that is that was clear to see. Um, Mike Tomlin already ruled him out, so not great. Also, Mason Rudolph seems to have taken the starting job from Kenny Pickett. Looks like the Steelers. Um, Maybe in the market for a new QB this offseason. It's going to be tough with their draft position, though. I'll just uh, I'll say that right now. Uh, but yeah, either way, Houston Texans are in. So are the Pittsburgh Steelers. Let's keep it moving from there. Uh, pause that video before it even starts. Don't don't need to uh, uh, don't need to see any of that. Um, the Bengals made me look foolish. I still don't know why I bet on the Browns. I mean, I know why. I bet on before I knew Jeff Dixickle was going to be playing as starting quarterback uh, for the Browns, but uh, they the Bengals beat the hell out of them, thirty-one to fourteen. Somehow finished with a winning record after their their best, the best one of the best quarterbacks in the league, Joe Burrow's arm just exploded in the middle of the season. Um, all the credit in the world to them. Still not going to the playoffs, but to finish nine and eight is a a great achievement for this team after what they've gone through at the quarterback position. Uh, Browns they just they just wilted imploded on themselves like a dying star in the final week they didn't they didn't try to win so again I don't know why I bet on that one but it was of the three picks only one I lost so you know, take the good with the bad I suppose uh, Bengals got that win 31 to 14 um Lions they didn't have to do it to us but you know Dan, Dan Campbell decided he was going to do it um you know Lions get the win 30 to 20. Life is pain, existence is suffering, but hey, Vikings got the 11th pick, man, and we're uh, we're in the we're in the market for a quarterback. There are a couple teams ahead of us, looking specifically at the Chargers and the Cardinals, who have got their quarterbacks of the future already, who are open for business. I say, open for business, and we may not have had uh, the greatest past here trying to trade with Monty Austin for. I heard a, a story this week uh, that a team at the very top of the draft. Um, specifically maybe the uh the, the Cardinals uh no the team was not specified by Brett Coleman this is this is where I'm getting the the information from he said it on uh Mina Kimes podcast um that the Vikings really tried hard to move up and get Anthony Richardson only team that was really trying to move there uh was the Cardinals and they had the pick right before the Colts so you can read between the lines there uh and apparently 
the GM of this uh, undisclosed team that we can only assume is the Cardinals um, decided that the Vikings were going to be too good going forward, so they didn't want to make the trade. Um, so, yeah, that's, you know, Monty Austin for you're You're on our shit list, to say the least. Seems unlikely that they he will trade with us once again, but we'll see. We'll, we'll see. Maybe he thinks we're going to be bad going forward, so that, that could be fun. There is also the Chargers up there, though. That's another spot that we could be trying to move up into. I don't know what quarterback is going to be available at. I believe there are five, five or four. I, I can't remember where the Chargers are picking. I pull. I got to pull up Tankathon here in just a second, just to make sure. But Vikings at the number eleven pick, very much uh, are in a position where they can move up and get their quarterback of the future. Again, my my preference would be Jaden Daniels. I have a hard time seeing him fall past three, but if it's going to be one of those, Jaden Daniels would be would be nice. If not him, I think you could probably stay in Pat and probably get Michael Penix. You know, I think he's he's got enough question marks, quote unquote question marks, as far as um, health, the, the 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 knee injuries. He again, again, he had four straight um, seasons where he had a season-ending injury. So that was early in his career, but still, that's that's a medical history that's going to linger and you know turn some dumb GMs off. And also, he's 24, so there's another another recipe for other dumb GMs uh, to turn off on him. So maybe you could stay pat and get a guy like Michael Penix. I probably wouldn't. Uh, I probably wouldn't play with fate like that. I'd probably move up and get him. Again, though, let's not let's not uh, let's not get away from the the main thing here. Uh, try and get Jaden Daniels if you can, because that kid is a star in the making. I mean, a star in the making. It, again, I said it before during the college football season when he was making that run to the Heisman. He's the closest thing we've had to Lamar Jackson since Lamar Jackson was in uh, college football. And quite frankly, I think Jaden Daniels' accuracy is better than what Lamar Jackson's was coming out. Lamar Jackson was all arm strength and raw athleticism when he was coming out of college. I mean, people forget he barely completed over 60% his final year in college. And in, 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 I think he played the, the bowl game against Mississippi State as well. And he had some errant passes in that one, too. He was inconsistent accuracy-wise. Jaden Daniels is much more accurate than what, than what uh, Lamar Jackson was coming out. And he still has... That dynamic running ability. Uh, yeah, Jaden Daniels, he's still probably going to go after uh, Caleb Williams and Drake May because, the you know, I don't know. Scouts love to just harp on the the, 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 the measurables for those guys. Oh, it's, 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 you know, it's beautiful to watch and whatnot. Um, I don't think either of those guys have proven – uh, what Jaden Daniels proved this year, which, uh, yeah, I, I'd take Jaden Daniels in a heartbeat. I love Jaden Daniels. He might be my favorite player in this upcoming draft. Unless we not forget, Tariq Woolen was my favorite player in the 2022 draft. Devon A. Chain was my favorite player in the 2023 draft. I have a habit of my favorite players just being absolute ballers at the next level, no matter where they're drafted. Just saying, just saying. I've been I've been dynamite on these mid-round picks. Call me fucking Les Snead right now. Uh, but yeah, I just kind of got carried away there. Vikings, that is all to say, in a position to go up and get their quarterback of the future. Now is the time. We probably have one, maybe two years left of Kirk Cousins. He kind of implied on, on the exit meetings uh, and media stuff that he would be possibly open to taking a, a, a team-friendly deal as far as money is concerned. The injury situation, I think, uh, very much plays into that. Also, 
like Kirk Cousins himself said, he's made all this money throughout the course of his career. The dollars aren't so much the, this is basically a direct quote, the dollars aren't so much an issue as, as much as what the dollars represent. And you can kind of read between the lines on that one. The dude wants to win. He wants to win a Super Bowl. He's made all the money in the world. He's got hundreds of millions of dollars that he's worth right now. All he needs left to, to, to finish out his career is a Super Bowl. And I think he'd be willing to take something around like $30 million a year, uh, maybe even a little bit less than that if we could be so lucky in order to stay in Minnesota. You keep him, you move up, and you get a quarterback. And you know what? You only need Kirk Cousins for one more year if you move up and get a quarterback. You let the kids sit for a year. And I've, I said it last year probably around this time, Kirk Cousins is probably the best possible bridge quarterback you could ask for in this situation. Very similar to what Alex Smith was uh, to Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City. Her cousins can do that exact same thing. He's not going to give up that starting job uh, right off the bat. He's not going to force the rookie in there by playing badly. He's going to let the rookie sit, uh, give him some very good study habits. I mean, everything... Kirk Cousins' problems have not been because uh, of the habits he has made. He is... I mean, habits-wise and intangibles-wise, he's a very good leader. Um, he studies his ass off, obviously. He's got solid accuracy, um, and he preparation has never been the problem for Kirk Cousins. It's you know what's what's happening in between the ears at times that that have been the problem. And that's one of those things you simply can't teach. All the things that you can teach are things that Kirk Cousins can pass down. Uh, good habits, that is, that Kirk Cousins can pass down to whoever the next quarterback is in Minnesota. So, yeah, one more year of Kirk Cousins, trade up for a quarterback. The future will be set going forward. Uh, we may not be Super Bowl contenders right away, but you get the right quarterback in there, and we've set up our future for the next 10 years at least uh, with Kevin O'Connell in there. And that's that's what we should be striving for this offseason. That should be the goal. Uh, Lions... I'm starting to hate him now. I'm starting to hate him now. We're we're getting to that point. They just won 12 games, second straight winning season. They're starting to get a little bit uppity. I, I feel the rivalry juices flaring back up. I was feeling sorry for the Lions for basically my entire life up until the last three seasons or so. Uh, now we we seem to have fully hit that that inflection point where I am I'm ready for the Lions to start losing again. Quite frankly, so I, this is we're going into a um a new era. A, a new era of the of the NFC North right now, and I can't uh, I can't wait I, I cannot wait uh, for all of that to uh, to come to fruition on us. But uh, until then, we got some some playoffs going on. Lions they will be the three seed, I believe, because um, Cowboys they absolutely demolished uh, the the team that they were playing. Don't need to don't need to worry about that. Um, now seems like a good time to take a break, though. You know, take a break from all of the the NFL stuff. We'll get back to that full slate of games here in in just a second. Uh, let's let's talk about some headlines real quick. Just a just a quick break from all the the NFL talk. Also, let's get a times. Let's get a time uh, check. Forty two minutes, and we've talked about um, what's that? Four games. Four games, five games, six games if you include the national title. So, yeah, we're rolling. We're, we're absolutely rolling right now. Uh, I'll just do a quick rundown of the headlines. A lot of this is college football headlines at the moment, but uh, stuff that needs to be get you know brought up because otherwise, I I, I wouldn't be able to get to it. So we'll we'll, we'll talk about it now. Uh, Ole Miss running back Quinshawn Judkins. Not only did he enter the transfer portal last week, which was kind of a shock to people who are outside of the program. Uh, 
right after the national title game, after Michigan wins the national title, he announces on Twitter, on Instagram, that he will be committing to Ohio State next year. Uh, and from a Mississippi State fan, happy trails, bud. It's going to be nice not seeing you every year in the Egg Bowl. Also, nice that you won't be, uh, you know, giving Ole Miss the one of the best backfields in the entire country. Instead, he goes to Ohio State where... If Travion Henderson stays, which it appears that he is going to stay in school, that that duo between Henderson and Judkins may be the best backfield in the entire country. That is not an exaggeration. That is an elite backfield. If you get the right offensive line in front of them, it doesn't really matter who's at quarterback for Ohio State. They're going to have a very similar offense to Michigan where they can just pound you into submission and uh, and win that way. Uh, and it seems like this is a team in Ohio State that has been solely built uh, to crush Michigan at some point in the near-term near future. Uh, great pickup for Ohio State. It, it seems like the, the consensus from people within the program at Ole Miss just, you know, via proxy of, of people that know those people. I don't personally know those people, but, you know, listening to people that, that do talk to the people, I hope I have been as specific as possible and every bit of, of all the confusion in your mind has just been whisked away by everything I'm saying, but it seems like people in the uh, in the program kind of saw this coming. Like, they they were like, okay, maybe some a little bit of internal turmoil that not all the, uh, all the people on the outside were seeing. Quinshawn Judkins didn't have the greatest yards per carry average this season. Did have over 1,000 yards. Did have 15 touchdowns this year. Um, seemed like there was a little bit of discord within the program. And uh, the consensus was, hate to see you go, uh, but also probably not going to miss you too much just because there, there was some headache going on there. Not sure if we're ever going to get a confirmation on the, the specific headaches there, but didn't seem like the people at Ole Miss were uh, all too unhappy to see him leave. But as a Mississippi State fan, like I said, also not very unhappy to uh, to have seen him leave either. It's a great pickup by by Ohio State, and um, yeah, might just be better for both parties that they they parted ways at that point. Quinshawn Judkins probably a one year uh, a one year rental for Ohio State anyways. He's probably going to go there. Um, Put up some good numbers on a yards per carry average, and then go to the NFL next year, as he should. He's taken a lot of hits already in his college football career. Uh, started very early as a true freshman, got a bunch of hits last season. He's going to want to get to the league as soon as possible because they will chew him up and spit him out uh, in ways that maybe he has not considered just yet, but uh, it's in his best interest to get out of school as quickly as possible. I'll just put it to him that way. Um, Malachi Nelson, he committed to Boise State. Maybe he wasn't that good to begin with. Maybe, uh, maybe, maybe uh, all the recruiting services might have missed a little bit on that. All, all the best of luck to him at Boise State, though. Could end up being great uh, for both him and uh, Boise State. I believe he's the the highest graded transfer they've ever had. So, kudos to all involved. Uh, and I mentioned, doesn't matter who's playing at uh, at quarterback for Ohio State. Uh, who will be playing at quarterback is Will Howard, who pulled an okey-doke on USC, uh, saw the Miller Moss six-touchdown performance, like, eh, might want to go elsewhere, decided to go to Ohio State instead. Very good pickup for Ohio State, and it's Miller, Miller Moss time in USC. I think he did just, I mean, did more than just enough. He absolutely lit, um, I forget who USC played in the bowl game, but just absolutely lit him on fire. So it'll be Miller Moss, Woody Marks, 
and that revamped defensive staff and that defensive personnel. I'm very interested to see what USC does in their first year of Big Ten football. We're talking about Ohio State in this one, though. I mean, Will Howard, it is clear to me, it is clear as day what Ohio State wants to do with that offense going forward. You pick up Quinshawn Judkins in the portal. In addition to Travion Henderson, you've got one of the best backfields, if not the best backfield in the entire country. Uh, you've continually recruited along the offensive line. We'll see how that uh, that those fruits come to roost. Not the right words, but you understand. Uh, the, the fruits come to, to ripeness, if you will. Who cares? Going to move on from this metaphor right now. Uh, we'll see how that all works out on the offensive line portion of this, but you got a really good running quarterback, a power running quarterback in Will Howard, who has got good speed, good power, like I said, like 6'5", 240, and can run. We saw that at Kansas State uh, on a frequent basis. Ohio State wants to run the hell out of the football, but they also want, I mean, with Will Howard, you can still get some some good passing performances at Will. I think Will Howard is going to be better than Kyle McCord was uh, last year. He's going to be a lot more mobile. You're going to do a lot more things with him in the running game. I think Ohio State could have a top 10 running offense in the entire country next year. That's the way they've built this team out. Uh, and they have built it for the sole purpose from that, that offensive design to the defense being as good as they have been. It seems like Jim Knowles is going to be there for another year, uh, which will be interesting. Um, certainly a really, really good coordinator, a guy that I thought might be up for head coaching jobs uh, this coming season or this, this past season didn't work out that way. So Ohio State has him for another year. It, it would appear, uh, off the top of my head, it, it would appear that um, Ohio State has built a team in Michigan's image to beat them in this coming season. And if, if Michigan doesn't have Jim Harbaugh, might end up being the case. Might end up being the case for him. Very interesting what Ohio State is doing in the transfer portal right now and in recruiting. Uh, Mississippi State, they landed a four-star re- receiver, Kevin Coleman, out of the portal. A third team in three seasons for him. Started at Jackson State with Deion Sanders, went to Louisville this past season and put up modest numbers. Um, former top 75 recruit in 2022. Cool. See if Jeff Levy can do anything for him. We're just picking up wide receivers after wide receivers. Um, we're going to have a young team. Should be exciting. Uh, we're picking up more defenders. Still wondering who the hell is going to be playing on that defense, but I digress on that front. Doing good. Doing good for Mississippi State as far as a first year is concerned. I'm just, you know, I'm I'm a little jaded after last season, so I'm going to need Jeff Levy to show me something hopeful going into this year. Uh, otherwise, I'll just, I'll still be sad. I'll still be sad. Uh, Julian Fleming, he, in the transfer portal from Ohio State, former number one overall wide receiver in his class out of high school, I believe, in... 2021? Maybe it was 2022. I I can't quite remember, but Julian Fleming, uh, he has committed to Penn State. Uh, Really solid pickup for them. Wouldn't expect him to to put up those, you know, number one overall wide receiver out of high school numbers. Um, All that, all that sort of stuff, but should be a good pickup for Penn State. Um, You know, know that that offensive coordinator brought in from Kansas, you can do something with that. So that's, that's a good pickup for them. Uh, LSU, they will hire Missouri's Blake Baker as their next defensive coordinator after firing the entire defensive staff. Really solid pickup. We'll see how he does, but a really solid pickup. He is a guy at Missouri that kind of under the radar for the average fan, uh, but the people that know and the people that, you know, grade coaching performance pretty much, they really, really liked uh, the the Missouri defense this year, and uh, and Blake Baker uh, was the architect of that defense. So this is... 
again, I said it whenever LSU um, fired their defensive staff uh, last week, that, that LSU should never be as bad on defense as they were this year. The talent in that state, the talent that they bring into that team, by, by God, that Harold Perkins, if he has a good year next year, he'll be a top five pick in the NFL draft. Make no mistake about it. So with the talent that they've got on that side of the ball, there is no reason they should ever be bad on defense, specifically not as bad as they were last year. I think Blake Baker can do a better job than what they did this past year. So I, I like this hire. I think LSU will be right back in the national title conversation this next year, especially with this rinky-dink expanded uh, college football playoff. I digress on that front. Uh, Caden Salter talked about him going into the portal last last uh, week. Uh, he has withdrawn from the portal. All right, staying with Jamie Chadwell another year then, I suppose. Guess he just wanted to see what was out there. Um, Alabama defensive coordinator Kevin Steele reportedly will retire, and uh, Alabama will be searching for the third defensive coordinator in three seasons. Um, I just found this out Um Maybe it was just Mississippi State fans talking shit. Uh, the linebacker coach for Alabama that I believe is now uh, the Mississippi State defensive coordinator uh, was rumored to be the defensive coordinator in waiting for Alabama. So, hey, maybe it worked out great for us, but uh, I'm interested to see what Alabama does with the defensive coordinator. Um, they kind of just went by default to Kevin Steele last year just because he'd been with Nick Saban so many times. This was his third Third stint with Nick Nick Saban, actually. Uh, so that was just a comfort thing as to why Kevin Steele was a defensive coordinator last year. I'm interested to see who Saban brings in. I feel like this could be an opportunity to, like he did with the Tommy Reese hire uh, last offseason, bring in a younger guy that you can kind of, you know, mold into uh, calling the defense. That, I mean, it's, it's Nick Saban's defense. They're all calling the same defense when they come in. It's just a matter of, of learning that defense and uh, and going from there. Again, very it's going to be very interesting to see uh, who Alabama hires that defensive coordinator position. And one last headline, um, and this one is just, I mean, it, it's horrible. And you know what? It shows the degradation of, of our society and our, our, our priorities being all sorts of fucked up. Uh, but Texas A&M is, and you can't make this shit up, man. Texas A&M is allegedly getting a billion dollars from Qatar in exchange for allowing them to take control of sensitive research projects with possible ties to nuclear weapons. Um, just means more down here, man. Just means more. You get a billion dollars from the Qataris. You get, you know, get to keep bringing in, bringing in big time recruits, upgrading your facilities. Maybe that'll win you a national title in exchange. Uh, the Qataris who don't give a fuck about college football, uh, have just possibly, uh, come into some nuclear secrets for, for the U.S. Um, wild, wild. It, it shows you how much uh, college football matters to those teams down south. It is, whew, that's that's quite a decision there for Texas A&M. And you, you know when, I mean, an anti-Semitic, anti geez, not, not actually anti-Semitic, but anti-anti-Semitism, the, the, the double anti works here. I don't know what, what, I'm, what I'm talking about, but yeah. Uh, some organization that's, you know, against anti-Semitism put out this uh, this warning. Uh, and, you know, usually you don't see those types of, uh, usually you don't see those types of things happening in college football. Just a wild, just a wild story. The, the fact that, I mean, this should tell you everything you need to know about college football. Texas A&M wants to win so bad that they would accept money and give away state secrets to the Qataris 
uh, in order to win football games. That's that should tell you all you need to know about the passion in college football, man. It is, it's wild. It is absolutely wild. That's all we had for headlines, though. That that's pretty much it. So let's just uh, let's get back to uh, let's get back to some football games here, shall we? We're almost an hour into this thing, and we've got a plethora of games left. So we're gonna just breeze through these and uh, stop where the major uh, news happens. Uh, the Jets beat the Patriots for the first time in about a billion games. Bailey Zappi was terrible. Two interceptions, 88 yards. Uh, Patriots are going to draft a quarterback there at the top of the draft. Make no mistake about it. Uh, Brees Hall, 178 yards, 37 carries, a touchdown. Solid ending to what was a frustrating season for him over there. Hard to get a lot of uh, you know opportunities as a running back if your quarterback is god-awful. Uh, Jets get the win, though. They're 7-10 and on the season. Aaron Rodgers opined that not only was he going to address, you know, uh, saying that, implying that Jimmy Kimmel was going to be on the Epstein flight list uh, on the Pat McAfee show, that, that actually today, right now, as I'm recording, he's probably addressing that. Cool. Don't care. Um, also, the funniest quote that came out of that press conference, and it happened at the same press conference. I think he was asked, like, what needs to happen for this team to move over, move forward? And he answered uh, with something along the lines of, uh, we need to get all the outside noise out of the building. Everything that doesn't have to do with winning uh, needs to get out of the building. The lack of self-awareness is just, it's its incredible. The, the, the guy that has just been drumming up drama left and right over a vaccination status, which by the way, I don't agree with most things that Nick Wright says. I think he's a big, bit of a sensationalist, but Nick Wright has been on the money with his analysis of this one. Kirk Cousins didn't get vaccinated. No one gives a fuck. Lamar Jackson probably didn't get vaccinated. No one gives a shit. Aaron Rodgers decides to shoehorn in some sort of vaccine thing every single time he goes on the Pat McAfee show. I don't think he realizes it's 2024 and no one gives a fuck anymore. Like, that's that's the main thing. This guy, the lack of self-awareness, he is the biggest drama queen. Uh, sorry, don't want to be sexist. Biggest drama king, drama queen, whatever you want to call him. Maybe in the entire league right now. I Packers fans, I understand. I, I understand now why you were tired of this guy. It was he's he's a headache. He's a headache to say the least. And for for someone that likes to you know uh, talk about uh, the 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 woke media and whatnot, you know, silencing. He plays the victim like no one else uh, in the entire uh, in the entire league right now. So yeah, it's yeah. Good luck to the Jets, man. Good luck. He's a hell of a quarterback when he's out there, but. By God, you just you just hope he's out there playing because man, the the lack of self awareness is is startling at times. But there they are, Jets are there. They're they're handcuffed with Aaron Rodgers. They're probably going to look for a veteran backup for him, which they probably should have looked for in the trade market. Joe Douglas and Robert Sala will be back, and don't know if they really deserve it, but that's the Jets for you. I'm I'm looking forward to not thinking about Aaron Rodgers for the next I don't know seven months or so seven, eight months until we start the next season. Uh, until then, good riddance. Uh, <laughs> the Saints kicked the shit out of the Falcons here. There, there's a couple things that came out of this. The final score was 48 to 17. If Dennis Allen had, Dennis Allen, goodness, Dennis Allen had it his way, it would have been 41 to 17. But Jameis Winston and the entire offense, knowing that Jamal Williams hadn't gotten a touchdown all year, I don't remember. I don't know who it was, but someone got an interception that put them uh, right down on the goal line. So Saints line up in victory formation. 
and Jameis and the offense decide we're gonna get we're gonna get Jamal Williams this uh, this touchdown. So they fake the victory formation. Jameis takes the snap, hands off to Jamal Williams. Jamal Williams gets the touchdown. Final score: forty-eight to seventeen. That's basically as the time is expiring. Understandably, Arthur Smith comes out on the field and says, "What the fuck is your problem? That's bullshit." Uh, I don't know who I don't know who the assistant was. Uh, a black guy walking behind the exchange between Arthur Smith and Dennis Allen just does a walk by of a bitch ass motherfucker. Love that, <laughs> absolutely love that. That's probably the funniest part of that video of Arthur Smith uh, confronting Dennis Allen. Dennis Allen called for the knee though. That was a not a unilateral decision, but that was a decision by Jameis in the offense. Um, and hey, don't get me wrong. You don't want to. You don't want to keep him. You don't want him to score. Keep him from scoring yourself if you're the Falcons. I will say, it's bullshit that they did the misdirection. That you know they lined up in a victory formation and then ran a play anyways. I think there's a pretty good understanding that the guys on the defensive side of the ball aren't aren't going out to hit you at this point. We're just we're just snapping the ball and we're getting going. That's how people get hurt right there. Is you know when one side of the ball doesn't expect an actual play to be run, next thing you know, offensive linemen are firing off on you. Uh, that's how concussions happen. That's how lower body injuries happen. That's the part that's bullshit. Uh, not the scoring the touchdown. They just lined up in a single back formation and then very clear that they were trying to score on that last play. I don't think you get the the, the reaction that you got from Arthur Smith, but the fact that they used the, the, the misdirection, lined up in the victory formation, and got the touchdown that way, it's a little cheesy. It's a little bullshit. Um, also, on top of that, um, the fact that you have players going rogue, and obviously Jameis Winston is... Uh, a one-of-one one type of character. There's really no one else like him uh, in the entire league at this point. Uh, but the fact that you got players going, you know, rogue and running plays when no one told them to run that play doesn't exactly speak to a high degree of uh, institutional control. I'll just, I'll just say that right now. Um, Saints are keeping Dennis Allen. Probably going to move on from Pete Carmichael. If they don't, you already, you know, already. All, you already know all that you need to know about Dennis Allen going forward, if that's the case. But um, yeah, I, they they went nine and eight this year. Not optimistic about Dennis Allen's future there. We're gonna we're gonna see how that all happens. They have a potentially messy situation unfolding here with Derek Carr. So we're just gonna we're just gonna wait and see. We're just gonna wait and see on that one. Um, the biggest news to come out of this one, though, and this is kind of one you saw coming. Arthur Smith didn't do himself any favors down the stretch of this season. Uh, the Falcons did end up firing Arthur Smith. I mean, basically right after the game. I mean, it was uh, it was right after Sunday Night Football, like at midnight, uh, when it came out that Arthur Smith had gotten fired. And uh, honestly, I like Arthur Smith. I wish him all the best. I think if he would have gotten a quarterback in there, uh, they would he would still be the head coach of the Atlanta Falcons right now. I really like what he does with the offense. But fact of the matter is. He was more committed to his scheme and letting the scheme dictate who gets touches than finding ways to get the ball into his players' best hands, uh, his best players' hands. Uh, talking about Kyle Pitts, Drake London, Bijan Robinson. Hell, even Johnny Smith played much better this year. Um, you had all these weapons around, and you just couldn't find a way to get any of them the ball consistently throughout his entire tenure. Um, not having a quarterback doesn't help in that situation, but. At a certain point, especially when you have a deficiency at quarterback, you just have to find ways to scheme scheme your guys open, get the ball in the hands of your biggest playmakers, and Arthur Smith never did that. Um, 
And again, like I said, especially when you have a deficiency at quarterback, that should be paramount. Um, not getting a quarterback has to fall, I mean, on the GM's shoulders more than anything. But Arthur Smith, not having a quarterback didn't really didn't help him in this situation. Now he's going to be out of a job. Um, reading the tea leaves there. That's a guy that I think might be an offensive coordinator next year. Certainly not going to be a head coach because he didn't show out well enough. Not like Mike Vrabel, but I do think a reunion with Mike Vrabel in New England feels more likely than not, especially, I assume, at some point, either today or tomorrow, New England's going to make it official that Bill Belichick and the Patriots are parting ways. At that point, it's probably just a formality. They're going to hire Mike Vrabel, and then Arthur Smith Smith is going to come in as the offensive coordinator. Right there, right off the bat, you have got the makings of a rebuild with the Patriots in the next you know, three, four years or so. You are in a great spot. You just got to hire uh, a GM. Uh, after that point, and you are you are all set to go, my man. You are you are ready to go. But uh, yeah, I think Arthur Smith lands on his feet. I think specifically he lands wherever Mike Vrabel goes when, it, when this is all said and done, though. But uh, yeah, another opening there with the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, uh, attractive job, quite frankly. They have a solid draft position. I think they have a top ten pick because uh, they they won the uh, the the strength of schedule uh, tiebreaker with uh, the Vikings, and I think there was one more 7-10 and 10 team there uh, tied. I think they're, um, they're either 9 or 10. I think, well, the Bears are 9. They're, they're the other 7-10 and 10 team. So uh, Bears are 9. Um, I believe the Falcons are 10. Vikings are 11. That's another, that's another team that I would anticipate aggressively pursuing a quarterback uh, in this year's draft. We've got a, a couple teams that are going to be really gunning for that uh, the, those top couple spots. That'll be competition. Competition, we'll just say. But yeah, really solid. I mean, Ben Johnson, wouldn't be shocked if he goes here. Um, really, I feel like that guy's got his, his pick of the litter as far as jobs right now. But not an unattractive job here with the Atlanta Falcons. There's a lot to work with. Better defense uh, than the previous years. Really solid weapons on offense. Looking forward to seeing who they hire over there. I just gotta I gotta keep looking at my phone because it feels like we're in we're in a a uh, yeah yeah we're we're in quite a time right now for uh, for breaking news. Sorry, I had to I had to read on my phone real quick. Also, let's let's get a little bit more caffeine before this uh, this coke gets warm. Hard five in. We gotta keep it moving. Buccaneers they get the win over the Panthers nine to zero, which essentially. Uh, oh, Tom Telesco interviewing for the Raiders GM job. Cool. We're, we're get, this is the the prime interview time of year, so we'll we'll talk about some of that maybe on a, on a, a future episode. Right now, though, we're we're talking about football. Uh, Buccaneers get the win nine to zero. wasn't pretty, but it was good enough to render the uh, the Saints result moot. Uh, they win the division. They will be hosting the Buccaneers. Win the division. They will be hosting the Eagles, the five seed, uh, in the postseason this year, and um, that is one of my picks. I don't know what the. Um, all right, I'll 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 talk about it in just a second, but the, I don't know what I don't I don't know what the 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 line is right now. I got the Buccaneers at plus two and a half. I think they're going to win that game, and uh, depending on how they win that game. Uh, Nick Sirianni's job may be in serious, serious jeopardy. That's that's all I really have to have to say about that. You know the rumors if you've been following NFL circles. Um, things are not great right now with the Philadelphia Eagles, and we'll get to them here in just a second. But excuse me, they they will be um, 
They will be very um, interesting this offseason if the Buccaneers win in an emphatic fashion. I think the Buccaneers win, though, so that's one of my official picks, uh, plus 2.5. In addition to that, over 43.5 that I got for the Browns versus Texans. Uh, Panthers, good luck. That's all I got to say, good luck. Uh, 2-15 and 15 and no first-round pick for this year, and I believe the following year as well. So have fun. Uh, Bears go on the road to the Packers and they lose, uh, 17 to nine. Uh, Bears have the number nine pick and the number one pick. Ryan Poles, I'm afraid, really knows what he is doing. Um, the Packers, though, I think also very much know what they're doing. I mean, look at just the plethora of weapons. Guys that I didn't even really know would be contributors. Like, I heard of Malik Heath, obviously, former Mississippi State Bulldog before he transferred over to Ole Miss for his, uh, his final year or two of eligibility. It's hard to say because he wasn't exactly uh, a feature at Ole Miss, but undrafted rookie, him, Dontavian Wicks, and that's before you even get to guys that were like actually drafted highly, like like Jaden Reed, uh, Christian Watson, Luke Musgrave, uh, Tucker Kraft, all young guys who've been brought in the last two years, all panning out very, very well uh, for the, the Green Bay Packers right now, and it all works because boys and girls the Packers did it again. It's it's fucking bullshit, guys. They went from Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers to now Jordan Love, I think, and I hate to say this. It pains me to say this. I think the Packers had their quarterback for the next uh, decade or so. I mean, Jordan Love had his maybe his best game of the season in the biggest moment of the entire season. I mean, 9.9 yards per attempt, 27 of 32. Um, only quarterback to have... Um, I believe it was over 80% completion percentage um, before him was Aaron Rodgers, two touchdowns, zero interceptions. Uh, this is um, this is the future, man. This is this is the future, and it makes me sad that the Packers keep doing this and keep getting away with it, and they still have Jordan Love uh, for another year just to make sure they saw what they think they saw. And uh, yeah, good luck, guys. They they have a they have a game this week versus the Cowboys in the first round. They'll be traveling to Dallas for that one. And I think they have a really good uh, opportunity to go on the road and uh, make some stuff happen, especially when you take into account the history of the Cowboys in the postseason. So looking forward to that one. Also one that I have a bet in. I believe it's over 49 and a half on that total don't know what the total is now, but uh, I locked it in at 49 and a half. Those are my three picks. We'll go, we'll round it up at the end of this one, uh, what my picks are. But uh, yeah, I love the Packers this week. I think they can go on the road and make some noise, quite frankly. Um, Raiders, also, by the way, the Bears are going to be, they're, they're going to keep all their, their guys there. I don't, I still think Luke Getzey's on the way out the door. I don't think he had a great showing as the offensive coordinator there. Um, however, I think, you know, uh, Matt Eberflus, that, that entire coaching staff outside of the offensive side, uh, showed you enough this year to, uh, to continue being, uh, the head coach going forward. So that's who they got. That's who they're, they're sticking with at least for another year, uh, until they have a bad year next year with Caleb Williams or whoever they get. And, um, they, they fire everyone. That's just the Bears way. But I digress on that front. Uh, Raiders host the Broncos, beat the hell out of them 27 to 14. Broncos weren't trying to win. Let's let's all be honest here. They they 
I mean, the second that they benched Russell Wilson, you knew they weren't trying to win anymore. I mean, not like Jared Stidham had a terrible game, but a touchdown interception wasn't great overall. Um, Raiders get the win, though, 27-14. Zamir White, once again in relief of Josh Jacobs, uh, played very, very well. I think there's a there's a very good chance he ends up being the running back of the future there for the Raiders, um, it, especially it, it all kind of depends on what they decide to do with Josh Jacobs. They didn't sign him to a long-term deal this year. He'll be a free agent uh, this upcoming offseason, and I don't think that they're going to be uh, – I, I don't think they're going to be bringing him back, quite frankly. So probably Zamir White's train going forward here, if I had to guess. And you know what? I've said it a million times, so I'll keep it brief this time. Antonio Pierce should be the head coach for the Raiders going forward. He he bought an, he brought an absolute dumpster fire under Josh McDaniels, back from the dead essentially, uh, to a point where guys are playing well, uh, guys are enjoying life again. The culture is completely turned around. It looked dour with Josh McDaniels at the helm. With with Antonio Pierce there, it is a total light switch overnight. Uh, they're a better football team, and he just fits the he fits the culture of the Raiders that. That, that slogan that he had for the Christmas Day game, uh, where it was just like basically like pain, uh, hatred, and aggression, or whatever the hell the three three word um, slogan was there for his team, he just fits the Raiders so so well. He he needs to be the head coach for that team going forward. I I hope Mark Davis makes the right decision there, especially uh, being not the most affluent owner in the entire league and having to pay uh, two different coaches an exorbitant amount of money already, why not skip a little bit, you know, spend a little bit less money and uh, hire the interim as the next head coach. I, th I think Antonio Pierce will be a lot cheaper than those guys that you just kicked out the door, quite frankly. So yeah, go ahead, hire Antonio Pierce. We'll see. Hopefully you, you, you keep Champ Kelly as well. We'll see how that works out. Champ Kelly's getting interviews all over the place, so uh, at least with, with the Panthers. So we'll see. We'll see. Hopefully they do the right thing, but it is the Raiders, so always an opportunity for them not to. Um, yeah, so Eagles, they go on the road to the Giants. Uh, Giants beat the hell out of them. This is one I just had a feeling on and not a strong enough feeling for me to you know make an official pick on the podcast, but I put my own hard-earned money. Giants plus five uh, was felt like stealing money. I thought they would probably lose, but they'd keep it close. Wasn't even really close, and the Giants, I mean, dominated this game. 27-10, the final score. Tyrod Taylor went out there briefly, uh, but came back in with a finger injury. They get the win, uh, like I said, 27-10. The Eagles have now lost, I believe that makes five of their last six after starting the season 10-1. and one. Uh, Their only win coming against the Tommy DeVito-led Giants, and that was the game that Tommy DeVito got benched in uh, at halftime. The Eagles have been terrible down the stretch. They have not played well at all, and they've lost to uh, some of the worst records in, in all of football, specifically the uh, the Cardinals last week. And having lost to the Cardinals like that, you expect a team with great culture to come back out and bounce back in a big way versus a division rival on the road in the final week of the season in the Giants, and that just wasn't, wasn't what happened. And you can say, uh, yeah, the Eagles saw what was happening in Dallas uh, before halftime. They pulled all their starters. That did happen. But also at that time, they were already down, I mean, 17 to nothing, I think it was. Maybe it was 24 to nothing at that point. Uh, Marcus Mariota came in, and you knew what time it was. They weren't going to win this game. And essentially, they didn't score a point until garbage time in the fourth quarter. Um, it was 27 to 3 in, in the fourth quarter, and they didn't, 
The Eagles didn't score until the second half. Um, I think, like I alluded to it briefly, but at the very least, I think the Eagles are once again about to clean shop uh, for a bad reason this time in the in the coordinators department. I don't think uh, I think Brian is Brian Johnson the uh, the offensive coordinator for. Um, I think it's Brian Johnson, the offensive coordinator for the Eagles. But, yeah, I don't, I don't expect him to be back. Um, I, I don't expect any of the defensive staff to be back. They have been terrible this season. No pass rush. Secondary hasn't played well. Scheme has been shoddy. Um, you've got upheaval in the locker room. Things not going well. Just keep it in mind, I don't think the Eagles will do it. However, if the Eagles go on the road in the first round, after having started the season 10-1, skidding to not even winning the division down the stretch. You go on the road to the Buccaneers and you lose by double digits. You get dominated by by the Buccaneers. Again, don't think the Eagles will do it, but I would not be shocked in the least if they fired Nick Sirianni after this year. I, again, don't think they will do it. I think they're just going to clean house in the coordinators and uh, hit the reset button there and go from that, that point on. But Philadelphia has done this sort of stuff in the past, and I would not put it past him. Would not put it past him right now, uh, to say the least. Would not be surprising. Um, one coach that did lose his job after this game didn't get fired, but it was a mutual parting of ways. And this is kind of one that we saw uh, coming down the course of the of the season here. There was some obvious tension between Brian Dayball and Wink Martindale, and Dayball wasn't going to leave, so it came down to Wink Martindale, and that's what happened. Wink Martindale uh, decided to resign as the defensive coordinator of the New York Giants, and um, that's a guy. That's a guy right there. Just because it didn't work with the Giants, and just because the personalities clashed uh, with Brian Dayball, does not mean Wink Martindale isn't the best defensive coordinator on the market right now. He is proven. Um, he has done it before, um, and basically everywhere he's gone, the defense has gotten better. Uh, basically overnight uh, when he's gotten there, just the way he's so creative with blitzes. Kind of similar to what Brian Flores has done this year with the Vikings, where uh, aggressive as hell on the blitzes, but even though they're technically considered blitzes, a lot of times it's still a four-man rush. You just don't know which four are coming. Very creative defensive coordinator when it comes to uh, scheming up pressures, getting guys in favorable situations, confusing the protection on the offensive side of the ball and creating havoc in the backfield. I think specifically, because Wink Martindale... I, I don't know if he doesn't want to be a head coach or if he's just past that point of getting the opportunity. Either way, I don't think he's going to be a head coaching candidate uh, going forward at this point. And that's a perfect situation for if, you, if you're if you hiring um, a, a young offensive coordinator to be your head coach, like say a, a Ben Johnson or a Bobby Slowick for that matter, and they, ha- they know what they want to do on the offensive side of the ball. They just need to hire a defensive coordinator that they trust implicitly and can just hand over the keys on that side of the ball, delegate entirely. Wink Martindale is a guy that you want to do that with. Um, so I think there's going to be a, I mean, probably not initially, but once these these teams start hiring their new head coaches and you get like wherever Ben Johnson, Bobby Sloak end up, watch wherever those guys end up, uh, see him. Maybe they might have a bidding war for Wink Martindale's services. I don't think there's a better guy on the market right now to do just that. I mean, just look at what Miami did with Vic Fangio this last season. Uh, Mike McDaniel, I'm sure he has some ideas of what he may, you know, like to see in the defensive side of the ball. Kind of similar to Kyle Shanahan, though. Kyle Shanahan's an entirely different animal. I think he created an entire defense just based on um, things that he would not like to see as an offensive coordinator. And now, 
a lot like Nick Saban, he's bringing guys in and they're calling his defense. They're, guys aren't calling their own defense when they come to San Francisco. They're calling his defense. Um, not like that for uh, for Mike McDaniel in in um, Miami just yet. But, I mean, he handed over the keys to, to Vic Fangio, uh, trusted him to do, do the defense. And really, when they had the pass rushers out there, Bradley Chubb and Jalen Phillips, they were one of the better defensive units in all of football. Um, so I would, I would anticipate a similar sort of impact uh, in that way. Um, if, you know, someone hires Wake Martindale, uh, again, Ben Johnson, Bobby Sloak, those are the two that you should probably watch uh, when it comes to uh, the head coaches, uh, young head coaches, offensive head coaches looking to totally delegate the defensive side of the ball. And I think whoever ends up hiring him, I think is going to be a really solid hire, quite frankly. And uh, yeah, I assume he's going to land on his feet. That's really all I got to say about that. Uh, Seahawks get the win just barely, 21 to 20. Kyler Murray, he played very, very well, man. I mean, 262, one touchdown. James Conner is an absolute monster on the offensive side of the ball in the, in the running game. I mean, the Cardinals really played well in this game. I mean, Kyler Murray had six yards per carry, um, ended up just a shade under 300 total yards uh, for the game. One touchdown, no interceptions, no turnovers at all. I mean, the offensive line was playing well. James Conner was playing well. Uh, Michael Wilson, uh, Trey McBride, young guys that you've brought in uh, on that offensive side of the ball f- uh, for the Cardinals all played very well. They came up just short uh, versus the Seattle Seahawks, but that's uh, that's no knock on them, man. They've, I mean, four wins this year. They've not a very good roster at all, but you've got your quarterback. You, you definitively know that you've got your quarterback in Kyler Murray, so you don't have to worry about drafting a guy at the top of the draft. You've got a head coach in Jonathan Gannon that you, I mean, I think has very much acquitted himself well. This team could have very easily been every bit as terrible as the, oh goodness, almost dropped my phone off my leg there. Uh, this this team could have been every bit as terrible as the, uh, as the Carolina Panthers. Uh, the difference is, uh, coaching was much better. You don't have internal divisions. You don't have an owner meddling like David Tepper. You've got to, I mean, really, I'm, this is all to say, I think you found your, your coach in Jonathan Gannon going forward. And you got the pieces to build off of are there. You just got to fill out, I mean, basically the rest of the roster outside of the two most uh, important pieces to get, the the head coach and the quarterback. Um, I'm, I'm very I'm very interested to see what the Cardinals do in coming years. They probably have another year where they're not going to be very good, but maybe like the Chicago Bears this past season, they improved to like a 7-10 and 10 or an 8-9. and nine. They're not far off. I mean, probably two years away of just straight rebuilding. They're going to have another a really productive draft trade back, I would assume, this year. I would be shocked if they stood pat at the top of the draft where they are right now. Um, they're going to have a lot of assets to rebuild with, and they're going to have a lot of cap space to do it, even with having Kyler Murray under that big contract. So um, the Cardinals are really moving in the right direction. Monty Ossenfort, um, maybe make a trade with the Vikings, but otherwise you're, you're doing a good job over there um, with, with what the Cardinals are doing personnel-wise, um, head coach-wise. Nothing but good things to say about what's going on there uh, in Arizona. Much better than the Cliff Kingsbury, Steve Kymera already, I would say. I mean, even even though it is a four team, uh, a four team win or four four win team. My goodness, I not a four team playoff. It's a four four win team. I'm losing my mind right now. Sorry about that. I think the promise is uh, much more 
uh, than what you saw under the Cliff, Karen King, Cliff Kingsbury, Steve Kime era. With that, though, we got to keep it moving. We got to got to got to get her get her going, as they say. Uh, Chiefs beat the Chargers 13-12. Game didn't matter even a bit. They starting Blaine Gabber in that one. So Chargers five and twelve. They're like fifth or sixth pick. Uh, expect a lot of interest at that spot uh, for teams trying to move up. Uh, Rams beat the 49ers. Same thing. Both these teams had locked up a playoff spot. Uh, only thing of notes. Uh, well, first off, this was a Carson Wentz versus Sam Darnold matchup. Classic QB duel for the ages right there. Um, more than that, though, also, <laughs> they ran Carson Wentz like 17 times. They were just trying to disintegrate his lower body. Uh, just just hilarious. Hilarious levels of just not giving a fuck running, running the quarterback. Uh, you can't do that with Matt Stafford, that's for sure. You can't do that with Matt Stafford. Uh, however, um, biggest news out of this one, uh, Puka Nakua had a solid game. I don't know what the numbers were, but he had a, had a solid game. Um, ended up with four receptions, 41 yards, uh, good enough to set the rookie receptions record and the rookie yardage record uh, for wide receivers. That is a fifth-round pick, folks, a fifth-round pick. And last year, I think they got Kyron Williams in the fifth round as well, coming off that ACL injury in um, in in college at Notre Dame. Les Snead, man, he has been dynamite on those mid-round picks and the Rams are, I mean, really an off-season away. They make some good good pickups, uh, good draft picks on the defensive side of the ball. They could very easily be challenging the 49ers next year at the top of that NFC West. I mean, it's a, it's a credit to Sean McVay. And it's a credit to Matt Stafford. Credit to Les Snead for, for building this team the way he has. And so masterfully with the, the picks that they do have in the, the mid to late rounds. I love what the Rams are doing right now. I love what the Rams are doing. Uh, other than that, though, not much else to talk about. Uh, Cowboys... Um, ended the tenure of, of Ron Rivera in emphatic fashion, 38-10. to 10, They win over the commies. And, of course, like I said, no shocker here. Ron Rivera gets fired. I think everyone saw that coming. Really don't know why they didn't just do it in the season to get a good look at Eric Bieniemy, but maybe that tells you what you need to know about Eric Bieniemy, anyways. Uh, but, yeah, hired, fired head coach, fired GM. Seems like they're just going to do a clean sweep on the staff. I don't expect really anyone to be back. Uh, on that staff, it just wasn't wasn't good there at the end. Uh, they have a really high pick. I think they're the number two pick right now, so they're right in line to take Caleb Williams uh, at that second pick in the draft. I would anticipate them to go ahead and do that because they don't really have a quarterback on the roster that you can trust on a consistent basis. Um, yeah, the, the commies are a joke. The Cowboys are good. The good thing for the Cowboys is they have the two seed, and outside of uh, of the 49ers, which color me shocked the 49ers are once again going to be right in the way uh of the of the cowboys uh to go out there and 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 win uh the nfc seems like a tale as old as time quite frankly uh but yeah they're the cowboys are gonna have the two c which means everyone has to come to them that is a good thing because they are not very good on the road four and five on the season on the road all five losses you know if you're doing the quick math at home eight no at home that's that, that that's really good for them to be uh on or at home for the uh entire playoffs outside of the the NFC Championship game in all likelihood. Uh but yeah, not much else to talk about there. Ron Rivera fired. We all knew that was going to happen. Uh the Bills, you know what? It wasn't pretty. Josh Allen was I mean, classic Josh Allen, three turnovers, almost became the sole reason that the Bills lost this game. Didn't end up losing it though. Bills get the win, twenty-one to fourteen. 
Uh, Tua did not look great in this one, quite frankly. It would, you know, he had a, I mean, Chase Claypool has a fair bit of blame at the end as well, but uh, didn't throw the, the greatest pass in the world and got picked off at the end. Uh, Bills got the win 21 to 14, though. But yeah, this was the, the full Josh Allen experience. You get two crazy interceptions. I mean, just ludicrous interceptions that no one should be throwing those passes. Uh, and you also get a fumble as well. However, at the end of the game, you also get Josh Allen uh, running for 15 yards on like third and 13, getting a first down, converting crucial first downs, and basically putting the game away, getting touchdown. They scored 14 points in the fourth quarter. It was 14-7 going into the fourth quarter, and they scored 14 unanswered uh, in order to go on and win this thing. And that was in large part due to Josh Allen. He's a wild man. He can lose you a game. And he almost did in this one. You can also win you a game if you want to as well. But there, there it is. The Bills seal their fate as the number two seed in the AFC. Dolphins move uh, to the fifth seed and will go on to face the winner of the NFC South, I would imagine. Or the, the AFC South? Who won the AFC South? Hmm. Maybe it, I I don't even remember I don't well I guess they they're they're in a tie with the the Browns and I guess the Browns win the tiebreaker I don't know I I gotta I gotta look up the playoff matchups here in in just a minute but uh, yeah there you have it um, no one got fired in this one either you know uh, yeah I was trying to come up with a fun nickname and it just you know I I've really got to go to the bathroom so it's just not coming to my mind right now but that's you know that's a good cue to start wrapping this thing up either way. Bills get the win. Sean McDermott uh, channels Al-Qaeda into getting 11 wins this season. Five straight wins to end it off. Going through an absolute gauntlet stretch uh, to get that. I would argue that there is not a hotter team in the AFC right now than the Buffalo Bills. Bills and Browns firmly in the no one wants to go up against them uh, category of this postseason. The AFC playoffs could be just wonderfully chaotic, and I cannot wait to watch it. I cannot wait. Uh, that being said, that was it for the schedule of last week's games. I think we hit all of the, the head coaches that got fired. Um, Jim Irsay in the hospital, severe respiratory illness. Hopefully he's okay. Um, seems like he'll probably be okay, but... You know, good, you know, hopes and prayers, thought, thoughts, prayers, all that sort of stuff. Hopefully he's okay. Um... So let's look at the wild card matchup, shall we? Uh, on Sunday, we'll just start off with the NFC. On Sunday, we have got the uh, Packers at the Cowboys at 4:30. That'll be on Fox. Already been over that. I need to see what the line is right now. And honestly, let's just let's just cut out the middleman here and uh, start talking about uh, about betting lines here because that, that's what I'm really I'm, that's what I'm really looking at right now. Um, Actually, yeah, let's just go down this chronologically. I was start, starting to go conference by conference, but let's just go chronologically. Starting off on Saturday, we have got the uh, Browns at Texans at 4.30. Um, Browns are favored by 2.5 in most places. you got a 3 over at points bet if you're trying to bet on the Texans. My slight lean would be on the Texans here, but that Browns defense can be outright nasty. My real play is the over. You can still get a 44 at DraftKings right now. It's moved to 44.5 everywhere else. I got it at 43.5, so for the purpose of the pick segment, uh, that's what I'm putting down there. That is my first pick. Uh, Dolphins Chiefs. Chiefs are favored by four in most places. You get a 3.5 over at DraftKings and Caesars if you're trying to bet on the Chiefs. And that would be my lean. I have a 
I think the Chiefs are going to match up very, very well with this Dolphins, Dolphins team. And essentially, it all comes down to if you can stymie that running game and just put the put the game in the in the hands of Tua, you're you're going to be in it. You're going to be in a good spot if you're Kansas City Chiefs. That being said, I'm not putting any money on that because I'm, I don't have any faith in the Chiefs to score. Quite frankly, uh, over is 44 in most places. You get a 43 and a half over at points bets. Uh, so there's that. Um, Steelers Bills. Now it's minus ten in most places uh, in favor of the Bills. Minus nine and a half with DraftKings. TJ Watt won't be in in this one, which certainly helps out the Bills. That's a big number, though. I feel like the the Steelers have a chance to to keep it closer in this one. Uh, over under is pretty good mix of numbers. There's as high as a thirty seven at points bet, and you can get as low as thirty five and a half at DraftKings right now. So shop around, shop around on that one. Uh, Packers Cowboys that the over under has now moved to 50 and a half. I think I got it in at 49 and a half. Uh, still love the over in that one. I think there's going to be a lot of points scored in this one. The Packers are all the way at a seven and a half point underdog right now. I might have to revisit that one. I might have to wait for that, uh, that line to run up even farther. There's a good chance I bet on the Packers on the spread, too. I think the Packers are going to keep it closer than a touchdown throughout this one. I like Jordan Love. I like that offense. Joe Barry's going to get smoked on defense. I already know that one just based on what the Cowboys do at home and uh, just how bad Joe Barry has been against offenses that are worth a damn. Uh, offensively, though, the Packers, I think, are going to move the ball on this Cowboys defense. It all just kind of comes down to whether they can stop that pass rush. If Jordan Love can evade the rush... If they can keep Jordan Love clean, I think the Packers are going to put up a bunch of points on the Cowboys. So, yeah, I love the over in this one. Even at 50.5, I, I love the over in this game. I think the Packers-Cowboys, circle that one. I think that might be the best game of the weekend. I think that's going to be a really, really fun game there uh, at 4.30 on Sunday. Then Sunday night, we have got, I mean, the best storyline for sure. Rams, Matt Stafford going on the on the the back on the road for the first time. At the Lions for the first time since uh, Detroit traded him to the Rams, and um, in the biggest possible moment, win or go home, playoff atmosphere. The Lions fans have not been able to do this in probably many of their lifetimes. It's been 30 years since they hosted a playoff game. That might be the most lit atmosphere in the entire first round, uh, in in the entire wild card round. That is going to be must watch television. It is on Sunday night. It is going to be so much drama, and I can't wait. I hope for I hope for nothing more than a great game uh, where Matthew Stafford just rips the heart out of the Lions at the end. It would it would just fill my heart with the utmost joy if that were to happen. As far as the spread, though, uh, minus three and a half in most places in favor of the Lions. You can still get a minus three at MGM right now and Rivers. That is, is pretty much the only ones providing that. Um, I don't know. Emotions aside, hmm. Emotions aside, the, the, the over one is 51 and a half, so I don't think Vegas is really expecting either of these defenses to do great. I do think, though, the Rams kind of build everything off of Kyron Williams in that running game. The Lions have low-key had a propensity to stop the run uh, very, very well this year. They're one of the better run defenses in the entire league. Uh, they're probably going to be getting C.J. Gardner-Johnson back. They already got Aleem McNeil back uh, last week. I think the Rams can push the ball down the field. I think they will get some shot plays. But I feel like the difference in this one is just going to be uh, I don't think Kyron Williams is going to be good as good against this Lions front seven 
as he has been throughout the course of this year. So I would lean the Lions in this one. I'm not going to put any money on the spread, but I would lean the Lions. I, I'm i looking forward to this game. I think this are, there's a lot of matchups here in this first round that I am really looking forward to. It's going to be a great first round of the playoffs here. Um, final game of the of the weekend, though, Monday night. Eagles at the Buccaneers. This has actually moved to three uh, in a lot of places. It's still two and a half in favor of the Eagles at Caesars. Everywhere else has moved to three, and I love the Bucs even more at three. I got them at two and a half. I love them at three. I think the Buccaneers are just going to win this game, and um, I don't know that they're a better roster. I don't know that they're a better team overall, but they have the home field advantage. They have an Eagles team that is playing god-awful football right now and just gave up 35 to the uh to the, to the Cardinals, 27 uh, to the, the the Giants this past week. Um, a, a Giants team that really hasn't been great on offense the entire year. I think Baker Mayfield can come out there and keep him clean. That's that's the main thing, but you keep him clean. I think you're going to be seeing Mike Evans streaking down the field for some big plays. I think the, the, the Buccaneers are going to put up some points. Um, I think that Buccaneers defensive front is going to give the Eagles problems, and I love the Buccaneers in this one, man. Uh, so, yeah, there you have it. Uh, addressed the, all this a little bit more and in, in greater depth on Thursday, but there you go. There is your, uh, uh, there is the playoffs upcoming. Cannot wait to get this thing going. And now, without further ado, let's uh, let's get on out of here, folks. Thank you so much for tuning into Unqualified Analysis. Um, you know, we do this twice a week for now. We still got another month of doing this twice a week until we are uh, toning it down for the uh, for the the off season here, but. Still on the home stretch, two times a week, Tuesdays, Thursdays. Uh, you know, subscribe wherever you're listening to it. Spotify, Apple. You're probably not listening to it on YouTube because no one is watching on YouTube. But I keep putting up videos there anyway. So if you want to see the video component to this, go on over there. Uh, subscribe there as well. That would that would certainly help me out. And uh, yeah, if you want to keep up with what I'm doing, follow me on Twitter at Caleb Verzak. Uh, that link will be in the description. If you want to contact the show, shoot me a DM there or go to the email, which is unqualifiedanalysis at gmail.com. That link will also be in the description. And uh, yeah, with that, uh, yeah, thank you so much for tuning in to Unqualified Analysis. As always, I've got no clue what I am talking about. However, one thing I learned this week, it is estimated that 14% of all silver pennies minted by the Frankish Empire in the 800s uh, went to paying off the Vikings to keep them from or stop them from raiding a town. Insane amount of economic impact that the Vikings had back in that day. Skull Vikes, by the way. Not a playoff team, but 11th overall pick. Uh, I digress on that front. Y'all have a good one. See ya. This will be up later this afternoon. So, sorry about it being late. See you then.